And now, live from Level 5 Productions on the island of Milleronia, it's The Larry Miller Show! Good evening, Mr. and Mrs. America, and everyone who wishes the elections could last a lot longer. Hi, folks, and welcome back to The Larry Miller Show. I'm Larry Miller, but in a way, aren't we all? And boy, oh boy, is it ever beautiful here on the mainland today. I'm I'm on the mainland for a few different reasons, one of which, it's time to vote. It's election day. Colonel Jeff and I are recording this show on Election Day on the mainland in the studio at the Stately Miller Manor. And I'll actually, there's more to say on that later. But boy, oh boy, it sure is a pretty day here on Election Day. And uh, by the way, that, of course, is the Millard Fillmore Orchestra, who was the 13th president of our country, by the way, the last Whig president too, and the only one who appointed a Whig Supreme Court justice. He was in office till 1853 when the Whig party broke up. That was the last of them because he refused to wear their traditional Christmas gift, a wig. I'm just being silly. That's not uh, true. It's all, all the other stuff is true. And, uh, well, I don't know much about him other than that when he did, uh, whether he acquired other lands or anything else. But, that's him and the Cindy Russell dancers. Cindy, by the way, is spelled with two Y's. You know why? I don't. The colonel doesn't, but he pointed it out and said, hey, she spells it with two Y's. I thought that was worth mentioning. Thank you, Cindy. Featuring boy tenor Mike Lucking asking the musical question, if the election gets any hotter, will a hockey game break out? That's a good question. A heck of a question, Mike. And, uh, boy, if the election gets any hotter, will a hockey game break out? You know what? If it did, would anyone notice? Actually, uh, a hockey game would be an improvement. And I'm sure most of you feel the same way I do about that. And at least after a hockey game, the guys all shake hands. That's pretty good right there, huh? So, uh, thanks, Mike. Good question. And by Amazon and PayPal, and my book, which is, oh, this is one of my favorite parts of the day. I, I still think Amazon is one of the greatest companies in the world because they do three things no one else does, no one else can do. Number one, Amazon gives you whatever you want. Order anything, anything. That's what you'll get. Number two, they already have it. For crying out loud, it's just sitting there. They don't have to go to the company to get it. They don't have to borrow one. They don't have to make it themselves. They've got it already. And the most important part of all this, number three, they send us a percentage of whatever it is you order. That's pretty good, folks. Uh, whatever it is you imagine and that you order through Amazon, they send us a percentage of it in cash, and we put that right in our, well, in our steel box, in our safety box, and save it for our next big fancy fried chicken dinner and two drinks beforehand in a different place. So remember, Amazon does all that. Go to Amazon. 
Anytime you want something and you think of something, go to Amazon. But don't you go. You know why? Come to us. I'll tell you why. Don't you go and open up while your, your laptop and, 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 and your iPhone and all sorts of devices you have. Sure, you can get there through that. What you do is go to our website, LarryMillerPodcast.com. Who's on the mountain? Tom Mix. <laughs> Oh, it is a beautiful day. That just tickled me. That's like that's like uh, that's like a police horn on a bicycle. Anyway, do that. Go to our website, and we have a banner that says Amazon. You click our banner, and we'll take you there. You click our banner and just go take a nap. You know what? Colonel Jeff and I will wake up. We have red lights on our phones where it could be in the middle of the night, but right by the phone on the bed. It doesn't matter. We'll get up. We'll get together. We'll come to the studio and we'll get you to Amazon. You don't have to worry about a thing. Go take a nap on your lazy boy and put a magazine over your head and we'll get you there. And just, uh, by the way, just the same way we'll, we'll get you to, to PayPal. Because, you know, PayPal, ah, what a good group they are. It's, it's, it's like saving the world. You feel like you're really doing something with PayPal. And you know what? Maybe you are. I like them a lot. If you enjoy my show, and why wouldn't you? And you'd like to send a few bucks to help out, and why wouldn't you? You can do it through PayPal. And I like the way we work this because instead of saying donate, or pay what you like, or join the Platinum Committee, or any of these things. I always like to say, just buy us some drinks. That's a good way to be known, and that's a good way to categorize this. Buy us some drinks. There are different levels, levels one through five, all the way up to... We're driving to Florida! Boy, that sounds like a Millard Fillmore descendant to me, that guy saying, yes. But you know what, folks? Just do that. Look for the PayPal banner on our website, too, because we've got one at LarryMillerPodcast.com. Who's on the mountain? Tom Mix. <laughs> I love that. Colonel Jeff Jeff gets shy about that, but he, he puts some oh, he really puts things together well. And uh, we thank you though, because every little bit helps us keep the old leg lamp lit here at the Larry Miller Show. And and thank you to everyone who's contributed already and everyone who's gonna to contribute today just because they heard this announcement. And by my book, signed Hardcover copies of my book, Spoiled Rotten America, are now for sale at store.comedyfilmnerds.com. And uh, that's a good address for them, too. And you know what? I, I love that book. I loved writing it. It's funny. And it's my look at life. Each chapter is a different topic. And I think you'll be glad you did. Send for that. Send for everything. Buy everything. And that takes us to my favorite part of the show, the joke of the week. Well, this is a pretty good one, folks, and uh, Colonel Jeff and I liked it, and we, we giggled, and we had fun with it. 
and we think you will too. So uh, I hope you enjoy it. A Texas oil man is strutting down the street in Dallas, and he's having a nice day. He's even whistling, and he's got the big, well, he's got the big 10-gallon hat and the big Texas oil man suit, and he looks great, and he's got cowboy boots, and he's just walking, swinging his arms, and suddenly he glances up to one of the buildings, and there's a guy outside the window on one of the high floors, and he's about to jump. He's going to jump. You just know when someone's going to do that. He's going to jump. And the oil man shouts up, Say, buddy, don't do that. Remember how much you love life. And the guy yells back down, I don't love life anymore. I lost all my money in the stock market. And the oil man says, Whoa, well, uh, remember how much you love your wife. She loves you. You love her. You know what? That's plenty to live for right there. No, the guy calls down. No, she's going to leave me. She's going to take everything since I lost all the money. And the oil man just does, isn't phased a bit. He just shouts out, well, remember your kids. Remember the children. They're worth everything. And they, and they love you and you love them. And no, no, they don't anymore. They never call. And, and the guy says, no, just the oil man yells, well, remember the Alamo. And the man yells back down, what's the Alamo? And the oil man yells, jump, you Yankee son of a bitch. <laughs> I hope you like that. Colonel Jeff and I got a, got a good laugh out of that one, a nice smile. Boy, he turned quickly, didn't he? <laughs> but that's, that's a good joke. Got a little tart there. I hope you don't mind. But, uh, boy, he bailed on him as soon as the guys remember. What's the Alamo? What's the Alamo? All right, that's it. <laughs> and that brings me to my second favorite part of the show. The Poetry Corner. song is beautiful moves me every time written of course by millard fillmore after he couldn't be president anymore when he finally took off that wig but uh a, a good poem is like a good joke and i hope you like this one we do too it's called a song and it's written by joseph brodsky brodsky was russian born in 1940 very quickly recognized as one of the most gifted poets of his generation, and then was sent to northern Russia for five years in exile at hard labor after being convicted of social parasitism. And after that, he briefly stayed in Vienna and London and then lived in exile here in the U.S. Boy, you see, those folks didn't kid around in those days. When you, As soon as you hear born in Russia, uh, what happened to that guy? It says here he was sent to northern Russia. What a nice place that must be. Oh, delightful. Good place to wear gym shorts. And five years in exile at hard labor. And they weren't kidding around. They knew what exile was, and they knew what hard labor was. And what a lame charge here. He's convicted of social parasitism. He's a social parasite. I, I, I don't even know what that is. 
But that's what they called him. And in any case, he was a great poet. And I'm going to read you this one now by him. It's called A Song. I wish you were here, dear. I wish you were here. I wish you sat on the sofa and I sat near. The handkerchief could be yours. The tear could be mine, chin-bound. Though it could be, of course, the other way around. I wish you were here, dear. I wish you were here. I wish we were in my car and you'd shift the gear. We'd find ourselves elsewhere on an unknown shore or else we'd repair to where we've been before. I wish you were here, dear. I wish you were here. I wish I knew no astronomy when stars appear, when the moon skims the water that sighs and shifts in its slumber. I wish it were still a quarter to dial your number. I wish you were here, dear, in this hemisphere, as I sit on the porch, sipping a beer. It's evening, the sun is setting. Boys shout and gulls are crying. What's the point of forgetting if it's followed by dying? Isn't that nice, folks? By Joseph Brodsky. And you know, uh, so often when they're really good poets, I love how he found that, that he repeated in every stanza that, I wish you were here, dear. I wish you were here. And it's not only rhythmic, but it sets a, well, it sets a tone to it. It's very, it's very lovely. So thank you, Mr. Brodsky, for a song. And that brings me to my third favorite part of the show. MMM. Triple M, the magic movie moment. Ah, oh, boy. And this is a great movie, folks. I haven't seen this in a while, and I'm, I'm, I'm going to see it as soon as I can because I love it. This is one of those I've seen 30 times. I love it every time. Sullivan's Travels, written and directed by Preston Sturgis in 1942. Starring Joel McCrae, Veronica Lake, William Demarest. Boy, he's great in everything. They all are. Eric Bloor. It's a wonderful movie. And uh, no one is better as a writer or director than Preston Sturgis. He was great in everything he did. And uh, this one is, uh, oh, it's it's a great storyline. Joel McCrae plays a big Hollywood director in that era, exactly when the movie was made. And, oh, he's very popular and very wealthy, and everyone loves. He has a great look at drama in life, but he's unhappy. He doesn't quite think he's making the movies he should, and he just, oh, and he winds up deciding to dress like a bum and go around the country with nothing in his pocket. Well, they start with a $10 bill, but after that it's nothing, and he's just going to see what he can see and find what he can find. It's a great story and very, very well done. And he runs into, well, Veronica Lake, a great actress and a beautiful woman. And they get through a series of many circumstances. They get lost. He gets walloped on the head by a crook who steals his clothes and steals whatever money he had on him. This is just before they leave on their big trip. 
And you know what, folks? They, they leave, they go away, but this guy takes everything from, well, from Joel McRae. And he takes all his money, he takes his clothes, and he takes his shoes, which is the only place McRae had his identity. And he knocks McRae out, tosses him on, on a big car, on a train, a, a freight train, and he's off, and he gets killed himself. The guy who, the thief who stole all his things, he's found, and well, that train takes off with Joel McRae in the freight car, and he's knocked out cold, and that hobo, that thief, gets found, and no one can recognize him, but they find the identity in the shoes he stole. And they think, oh, this is this director. So here now, it's a very well-told story, a good movie. Joel McRae is off, and he goes out into the American South on trains, and he wakes up on that freight train. He still can't, still doesn't know where he is and what he is. He's feeling very out of sorts because of that whack he got on the head. He winds up getting another whack. He doesn't even know where he is, and he's picked up, and he's sent to a labor camp. He's convicted of being a bum, and he doesn't know who he is anymore. Doesn't even know his name. And they go, he goes to a work camp, and that is a tough place to be. And folks, the story is told beautifully as it goes along, and he gets more and more annoyed, and he gets, and suddenly he starts to remember. He starts to remember who he is, but he doesn't quite know, and they go, all the prisoners are taken to their weekly trip off the prison lot, which is to a black church in the area there, and they're going to get to see a Mickey Mouse cartoon with all the other parishioners at night, and the pastor tells his congregation before they get there, it's wonderful, let, let, remember, let these, remember, Tell these prisoners that they are fine with you. Don't look down on them because they are coming from a prison. And, well, Joe McRae has never been lower. And here he comes with the other prisoners and the guards and the warden. And they all come in and they shut their feet are shuffling because they're wearing chains on their feet. And they get seated by the very generous congregation and McCray doesn't know what to think about anything. And folks, they start the movie's night with a Mickey Mouse cartoon. And as they start, well, he doesn't even know what to think. He's feeling so low. But as they start the cartoon, everyone begins to laugh at it. All the congregation people, all the prisoners all the guards, everyone. And suddenly, we start to realize what Joel McRae starts to realize. He blinks a couple of times and looks up at the screen and suddenly, almost involuntarily, just goes, ha, 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 ha. And then he doesn't even know why he laughed. And then he looks up and laughs again. And it's the best feeling he ever had. It's very moving this convict, this man who quite doesn't quite even know who he is, is starting now to learn one of the best lessons in life. And he laughs, he watches this cartoon, and he and everyone else in that church 
laugh and laugh, and he's laughing out loud, and he's having the best time ever. And he realizes nothing in life really matters more than that. And when he gets out, well, he figures out a way to get a message to Veronica Lake, who gets a message to the studio. He's still alive. They go crazy, and they go out, and they get him, and they get him out of the work camp. But he, the theme of the movie is also that he says, because all the movie people tell him, oh, now that you're back, you make whatever you want. Make the saddest movie in the world. Make a, make people do whatever you want in there. And he says, no, you know what? He's in the office of the big president there of the, of the studio. And they're all, well, what do you mean? No. And all the executives are there. He says, uh, fellas, if I've learned anything from the trip I made, it's that sometimes, and he says, as we begin to see the little pictures come on around him of him in that church laughing with the other prisoners. And he says to them, sometimes, A good laugh is the best thing in the world. And he's going to make another comedy like the ones he was known for. But it's a beautiful movie, folks. Sullivan's Travels. But the magic movie moment for me in it, and this movie has plenty of them, but the one this week is that he realizes, he learns, he's at the lowest point in his life, and he starts to laugh with everyone else in that church. And it takes him away. It, 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 it's a great trip off the prison lot. And he's laughing with the guards, with the warden, with the other church members. And that's a great scene. And it's a magic movie moment. If you've never seen it, please investigate Preston Sturges. Oh, he, what a great writer director in Hollywood. The Lady Eve is a great movie. Henry Fonda and Barbara Stanwyck and Edward Arnold. It's a, it's a wonderful movie. And, and again, William Demarest, the great William Demarest. And uh, you know what, though? See Sullivan's Travels. You'll be glad you did. And, well, it's because a good laugh has no lies in it. That's what I love so much about it. A good laugh is clean as a whistle. And that's what, well, that's what Joel McRae realized in Sullivan's Travels. But I, that's probably, frankly, why I love Daylight Savings Time so much. We just had Daylight Savings Time, as you know. And as you also know, I've mentioned this before, but you, I never know what you do with the clock until I go through that. Okay, let's see, you, uh, you spring ahead and then you fall back. And I love that even the, uh, Everyone has to do that in his head. Okay, you spring ahead, fall back. So we fall back. You turn the clocks back. And I love that even that could be the toughest, the leader of a motorcycle gang still has to go, oh, you spring ahead, you fall back. We all have to do that. And I love daylight savings time. And I can't believe others are trying to get it taken away. I don't know what we would hate about that. The first day after daylight savings time, even the light is a little different. It makes me smile to go through the day and say, gee, gee you know, it just it says 3.30, but it feels like 4.30. It's a wonderful moment, folks. A wonderful time to say, I won't worry about bigger things. I won't worry about things that have lies in them. I'm just going to smile at how the, we've just gotten together and changed the time. 
our, our group got together, the Congress or the or the town council or whatever it is, and we we cha- we just changed the time. What did you do today? We changed the time. Boy, that's terrific. I, I, and I always wondered. I've probably mentioned this before, but can can you do that with other things than just time? Can you change ever? Can you change days? Well, it's Monday. No, we say it's Friday, and then you just go home for the weekend, folks. These things matter, especially on Election Day. And I don't know how you've felt, but is it just me, or did this election come far too late? It's just too much of this stuff. It's too much a month, a year, two years, two and a half years. Stop. We don't need, I don't know how you are, but I I don't need more than a month. Three weeks is plenty. Would you have learned anything about either of the folks running for president? And I'm not supporting anyone or taking anyone down. I'm just saying we knew enough. It's it's too much already. And all right, it's election day. I think this one, I think they could just come after just a month. We could have a, a month of election time. It's enough. More than enough. And it's frankly like everyone's saying, go vote. That makes me mad. I'm going to vote today's election day, as I said. And, uh, you know, after we finish the show here, Colonel Jeff and I are going to, well, turn the lights out in the studio and go vote. And we were talking about it before. We're going to vote because I guess it just seems we ought to. And it's nearby. It's, oh, it's always two or five miles away from you, wherever you are. And I don't need anyone celebrating me. Look, he voted. Go vote. You know, and they'll give, give you that sticker when you're not even looking. There's someone just, you know, slaps it on the shirt you're wearing. See, now now everyone knows you voted. It says, I voted. Yeah, all right, all right, stop it. Does, does that help anything, knowing that you voted? No. Does it change anything? No. I knew it was day to vote. It's the first Tuesday in November. I know it's election day. You know it's election day. You'd have to be dumb as a fence post not to know. But, you know, every time, and I really do think you'd have to be dumb not to know, every time some knucklehead reporter says, uh, you know, in Iraq, on their election day, 99% of their people vote. Well, yeah, but that's because the alternative is castration. And, and that's what happens if you don't vote. And they stand right there till you do it, too, with the tough guy in the group sharpening his bowie knife. And that's not to cut melons. And uh, you know what? I think we make a too big a deal out of things that don't matter. Folks, how do we get ourselves in these positions? Does it matter one tiny little bit to you that every commercial for five months has been telling you with toothy grins to vote? No. It it annoys you and, and it makes you mad. It It should anyway. I was just wondering, though, because the colonel feels this way, too, and maybe you feel this way, too, that... Everybody seems crazier this year than any other year. I don't know why, but the the first year, all Americans seemed crazier than the actual candidates. And that's saying something. I mean, that's never happened before because, as you know, the actual candidates really are crazy. And I don't think that's unfair to say. I think think they're gone. You, You know, and I was wondering... No matter who wins today, 
Do you think there'll be anger and violence afterwards? There could be. I, I, I would say maybe yes. Tonight, my wife and I are going to a TV watching party at the Beverly Garland Hotel, which is a few miles down, uh, down the block from us. And, uh, my wife's a big Hillary supporter and all her friends are too. And I'll be there just to pretend to cheer as much as they do. I just don't know what it is to to really love someone like that and get behind someone like that. But I'm I'm proud of my wife, and I'm you know I th- whatever she thinks is fine with me. But I, I'm getting to the point where the whole election process just nauseates me. I'm sick of it. You know, I don't know why we have to get so involved, almost with scratchiness where we get claws in our skin. The colonel said before the show, he said, you know, he said, I'm not the guy who looks down the railway to see if the subway's coming. It's coming, but I'm not the guy who looks down the railway to see. The pot of water doesn't boil because I'm watching it. In fact, isn't that the old saying, a watched pot never boils? Well... My plan was I I didn't want to watch TV at all today. I'm I'm sick of it. I'm sick of all the news reporting. Oh, here we are in North Carolina. Oh, shut up. Leave me alone. And the colonel feels the same way. Can't we all just take a break? Well, no. Too many of us have lost our minds. Too many of your friends and mine are not worth talking to anymore about this. I'm afraid of going to this election thing tonight. I think everyone there will have those icy cold eyes the second you see them like they all just escaped from the asylum. You know, there's people who get, it's one thing to get into it, and it's another thing to really get into it, whatever the it is, and then it's another thing still to really, really, really get into it. But I think folks like this have become so crazy that they're well, they get those icy cold eyes. They get those Peter O'Toole eyes where he was playing a bad guy. And you know what, though? Friends of yours who don't drink anymore, keep this in mind. Friends who don't drink anymore will need someone like you to walk over tonight with a big glass of straight whiskey and say to them, look, trust me, tonight you need this. And I think they do. Boy, we're recording this show on Election Day, as I've said. And the Colonel and I are going to vote after the studio is dark, as I said. And by the time you hear this show, the election will be over and someone will be elected. So I'm going to make a prediction. On Wednesday night, after all the votes are tallied, after all the speeches are made, after all the parties have had their cheers or their moans, after all the editorial pages have been used to wrap fish, everything will be just fine. Don't you think? I, I, I think we've all gone overboard a little. I mean, if, now, if it's, if it's not, by the way, if you're really troubled, and if you're really into it, and you're 10 times, 50 times, 100 times more than anyone's ever been so into it, you know what? Do you do everyone a favor and go up to your roof and jump? I know that sounds harsh, but if you're that over the top, if you're that crazy about this kind of stuff, you don't need us, and I promise, uh, 
We don't need you. We're just reporters of, here we are at the scene for, oh, shut up. No, stop it. I can't take it anymore. A, mo a month of this is plenty for us folks. I know it and you know it, but we've always known the same things anyway. Homer is Homer. Pluto is a planet. And it's always going to be that way. So remember, as always, if you walked out of bed today and had a job to go to and a home to come back to and someone there waiting for you who loves you, folks, the game's over and you've won. And that's the truest thing on any election day. Let's all forget it and be good together. See you next time.